Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Natural Running Network. My name is Richard Diaz, and I'll be your host. What I hope to do is introduce you to some amazing athletes, luminaries from the sports science community, and as come to be expected, I'll also provide some highly opinionated rants on all aspects of endurance sport and my current favorite, obstacle course racing. So sit tight, grab a cup of coffee, and let's do this. Welcome to the Natural Running Network. My name is Richard Diaz, and I'll be your host. What I hope to do is introduce you to some amazing athletes, luminaries from the sports science community, and as come to be expected, I'll also provide some highly opinionated rants on all aspects of endurance sport and my current favorite, obstacle course racing. So sit tight, grab a cup of coffee, and let's do this. Hey guys, it's me again, and before I get started on this rant, I'd like to share with you that this is 2017, we're in January, and we have set about developing our plans for the road tour. We're going to get out on the road, we're going to visit some different uh, folk around the country with our OCR running clinic. Very excited about this upcoming year, we've got quite the roadshow planned. As of now, as of this particular episode, which is, uh, we're throwing this up on the 12th of January, we are doing a clinic here in Camarillo, California on the 28th and 29th, testing on the 28th, the clinic on the 29th, you could choose to do one or the other or both. And then we are planned to go to Cincinnati, Ohio, May 6th and 7th. Austin, Texas, May 27th, 28th, Killington, Vermont, July 29th and 30th, and then we're on to Phoenix for the 17th and through the 19th of November. Now, I have to tell you, we have some other dates that are in the works. We've been talking to some folks in Kansas and lately talking to some people in Minnesota, so there's a very good chance we're going to plug some other dates in here, so you need to be on top of it, if you uh, are curious or interested in participating in one of these events, the best way to do that is visit the naturalrunningcoach.net. Naturalrunningcoach.net. Don't forget that. Visit that URL often because it gets updated. And by the way, if you decide you want to register for one of these events, do not delay because we do not take a ton of people for these events. Because of the nature of the testing and how much time it takes to do it, we can only test about 12 people maximum at any given clinic. And that's over the course of one day. And you'll be surprised how quickly that fills up. So be sure, if we're in the area that you want to be tested, make sure you jump on it because this could be your only shot at it. If you've always wanted to be part of this deal, here's your chance. All right, so the topic today is barefoot training. I got 
Benjamin Pena from San Antonio, Texas. Ben is a client of mine and had just recently come to visit me at the Secret Lab where we had the opportunity to do a gait analysis. And we've got a story to tell. I'm going to let him tell it. But before we do, I just thought that it was so important that we get this information out because there's going to be a lot of people that are going to want to adapt this type of training or at least incorporate it into their training as they do it today. Ben, say hello to everybody, and let's just start from the beginning, where we got involved, how it all shook out, blah, blah, blah. All right. So first off, thanks for having me on again. <laughs> um, so, yeah, if we go back in time a little bit, go back to November of 2015, this is when it all started for me. I was uh, participating in World's Toughest Mudder in Vegas, and the combination of uh, some cold, colder, colder weather, although not the coldest they've seen there. Colder weather, cold water, rough terrain, and uh, top it all off, some bad running form. Um, I got injured back then in November 2015. I was having a hard time running even a mile. I was kind of have problems everywhere from the knees down. And uh, I tried dealing with it, tried, you know, on, looking online, different things. And what happened was... At the time, I was actually dating a girl named Alexandra Walker. I'm sure a lot of you have heard of her. And she got a got caught wind of a, someone that said Richard Diaz was going to have a clinic in Austin. And she said he's a he's a big name in running, and we should go see him so we can figure out what's going on with my running. I did not object. So at the end of that year, I don't remember if it was November or December, we went and saw Richard Diaz in Austin. He had a clinic. And... uh as soon as I walked into the clinic, he asked me to get on the treadmill, and I shared this with him. I, I don't know if he remembers, but I don't know if I got into two strides of my running on the treadmill, and he told me to get off. So, <laughs> <laughs> so, so from there, that's when that's when my story with Richard started, and uh, I, I loved the information that he was sharing at the clinic. And uh, I mean, the day of, we saw we saw results with different people. Although I was kind of to a point where I couldn't really do much, but. Matt Campion was there, and he got himself, or he got running more that day. He had a hamstring issue, I think, right? Yeah. Um, got him running that day, and I really liked what I saw. So I started working with Richard, and I got really excited right off the bat, and uh, I took it too hard, too fast. Classic, classic mistake. And that got me really injured. And then uh, I, I, that, that got me to the point where I just had to really start at square one, and uh, I started started really thinking about it, doing some reading. And uh, one of the things that Richard had me doing at that point in time was finding some soft terrain that I can trust, um, trust in the sense that there's nothing, no glass or screws or anything that's going to hurt me, and to run barefoot and just really focus on the form. So I found a football field, and I, uh, I did exactly that. I mean, he started, with, started me with maybe 20 minutes of running and then, you know, moved me up to 30 minutes of running and I was realizing when I really focused on the form, running on this grass barefoot actually felt good. Afterwards, I felt better than when I started. Uh, I was dealing with plantar fasciitis and strained Achilles and tight calves and all kinds of things, and, and this barefoot running on the grass was really helping me. So, again, like I said, I started basically from the from the bottom, and I, I started with 15, 20 minutes of running, Moved up to 30 minutes and was working out, but then the weather got a little bad, and uh, I went indoors. 
And that's when I started getting on the treadmill barefoot. And uh, it's all kind of history from there. I, I built up the strength in my feet going uh, starting from there. And same thing, I would run 15 minutes on the barefoot. I mean, I'm sorry, barefoot on the treadmill. And uh, eventually started doing incline training. And now I can pretty much do all my training barefoot on the treadmill. So that's where we're at. And then the type of problems that you were experiencing prior to getting into this barefoot work on, on the treadmill, that pretty much went away, right? Yes. So, uh, I mean, I, I'm assuming you can talk more about this, but and I don't know if this is the same for everybody, but there was some initial, you know, rather uh, intense inflammation that I had to get over just to be able to do anything. But, yeah, definitely. I, I felt... I felt the I felt myself recovering from these injuries at a much faster rate than before. I mean, I wasn't even getting better before. And then whenever I started incorporating this uh, barefoot running and strengthening from the bottom up, uh, slowly but surely, I uh, I worked through literally all of them. All right, so let's kind of touch on some of this, just because I think that. There are a lot of people right now that are paying really close attention to what we're talking about because maybe they're suffering from some fashion of injury themselves, and they're okay. fr frustrated with their inability to find a solution to the problem. And the thing, that, the thing that I want to bring to light, and I saw it on social media, some people were asking, well, you know, I've got this problem, that problem, what can I do it? You know, they're curious to know whether they need to wait. Um, how much do they need to concern themselves with whether they're injured now and should they go back to training? And so the, the thing that I think that is interesting, and uh, I want to, I should preface what I'm going to say next by telling people that I am not a physician. What I am delivering here is experiential from having worked with athletes for a few decades at this point. Right. And my day job is observing runners and helping them to get to a better place. And I have had the opportunity to work with a lot of people that have been facing injuries. And there comes a point where I refer this individual, if they're hurt, to a physician for the uh, interaction necessary above my pay grade, so to speak. But um, I think a lot of times we pull that trigger too soon. And there are things we could be doing that will help us to get onto a better path. And the evidence of that is uh, Ben's story. He almost, on his own, figured out that running barefoot on natural surfaces allowed him to continue to train. And beyond that, he actually started feeling better for having done it, opposed to when he ran shod, shod meaning with shoes, that he had problems. And so here's what ends up happening. Wearing shoes gives us a little bit of creative license. It allows us to make mistakes that we would normally not make had we not been wearing shoes. Now, the problem in all of this, the conundrum, I guess, is that clearly we're not able to go out onto unnatural surfaces like pavement and concrete. And as Ben pointed out, I, I was careful to make sure that he was cautious in his approach to make sure that the area that he's going to be running was going to be free of any debris that might cause problems for him. And then the other end of it is because our society has put us in shoes for such a great length of time that we tend to be weak in our feet. And just because you listen to this podcast today, running around barefoot tomorrow may not be the solution. It could very well be your path to an injury on its own. 
So you need to approach this very, very carefully and very studiously. But here's what ends up happening. The reason why things go better when you're barefoot is because you're opening up the opportunity to get information from the ground and deliver it up through to your central nervous system so it is able to make the appropriate decisions on what to contract, what to relax, in order to have a good relationship with the ground. Right. And if if I can add to that yeah. briefly, I, re- I remember when you told me to do it, and after the first time I did it, I told you, I was like, you know, I really enjoyed that. And one of the things that you said that was true was as you're doing it, when you're running barefoot on, the, on you know, some sort of surface, you can – you literally feel what you're doing. I mean, as obvious as it may be to say, when you're running in, especially nowadays, these big comfy shoes that they have, you don't, you literally don't feel the ground. So when you're trying to fix this form, it, it's, it's, it behooves you to say, I mean, to actually realize what you're doing. And uh, it's a lot easier to do that when you're barefoot. Right. What ends up happening, and, and I don't want to turn this into a, a, an antichrist shoe commercial, but at the end of the day, wearing thick-soled shoes can alter the perception of the vibrations that the body obtains when it makes contact with the ground. And it inhibits the reaction time to dampen these impact forces. So there's a sense of reaction that needs to occur. And it's based on information that's gathered from the ground force. There's about 200,000 nerve receptors in your feet their whole purpose is to deliver information to the central nervous system to let you know what to do. And when you take into account that running, for the most part, well, it is a dynamic movement. And the only contact point between your body and the ground is your foot. Then what ends up happening is in order for you to effectively move through space, the first thing that needs to happen is you have to become stable. Stability is the key to success in staving off the potential for injury, and it's also the hallmark for for developing force production, power, and ultimately getting you to move quicker. So I guess by becoming more stable, you become injury resistant, and you're able to produce more performance, which is important to everybody that's listening to this. Essentially, stability is the foundation through which power, force, and resistance is generated. Stability comes from proper engagement and ground force reaction. So there's a timeline from which you hit the ground that your body has a chance to react to that collision or impact force. When you muddy the signal to the central nervous system by putting a lot of material between you and the ground, your body's more likely to make mistakes reacting to that ground force. Now, this is going to sound like, well, why would I ever want to put shoes on? And at the end of the day, it's as simple as this. Shoes are nothing more, should be nothing more than protection from the unnatural surfaces you're contending with. And I'll go a step further. If you're out trail running, there's so much indecision. Your reaction time, everything is so, it's so important that you are, protected from the environment that it would be a little irresponsible of yourself to try to think that just because you were running on a treadmill barefoot and it was going well that you should try to run trails barefoot just for the record i don't run outside barefoot (laughs) yeah well and i don't recommend it 
also for the record, I do not want my athletes to brave concrete pavement barefoot. Again, we've talked about this before. I have a lot of friends that are barefoot runners. Their life is wrapped around running barefoot on these unnatural surfaces. I have a friend that has run over 100 marathons barefoot since we've known each other. He's won the Lake Tahoe Triple, I think, oh, geez, a handful of times, three marathons in three consecutive days barefoot on pavement. And he's gotten away with it. Now, he looks a bit like a hobbit. You know, his feet are a little funny. I mean, <laughs> and you're, 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 I mean, probably that's what your feet should ought to look like if you take ourselves back to Neanderthal days. But we live in a society that it's just not as permissive to be barefoot all the time. As you probably picked up, Ben, when you came to see me, I was barefoot the entire time that you were with me, but I was on environments that I was comfortable with. I didn't have to concern myself with what's going to happen. But I want to get that interaction with the ground. I want to teach my feet to become stronger and become more reactive to ground force. So there's a lot of really good reasons for, for having done it. A lot of times in the clinics, I talk about the elastic energy that we're trying to gather from the ground. You right. Remember this conversation? Right, right. If you just naturally drop your foot, you can realize what you're talking about. So, yeah. So if you lay your foot down on the ground, you're creating this eccentric energy. You're stretching the fascia. And there comes a point in time where the stretch becomes isometric. It's no longer changing direction. You're not moving uh, shorter or longer. And your body will lock down. At that point in time, your foot is beneath your center of mass, and synergistically, this entire system right up into your pelvic floor is engaged, and now you're locked and you're loaded to produce force. And this relates to what is referred to as this catapult effect. Rather than just releasing the energy and getting back what you gave, the effect is multiplied as much as three times. So in other words, if you put in a dollar, you get back three. And so that force generation ends up giving you more than you bargained for. In order for all this to occur, the chain of events needs to be perfect. Your ground contact, the way you initiate, the way you load, and the way you end up unloading needs to be perfect. And where this gets tossed aside is where people start to heel strike, they, they overstride, the, the shoe begins to dictate what's going to occur upon ground force contact. And you're, you're kind of left dumb to the reaction. You, don't, you either get the information late or you don't get the information at all, and you're basically colliding with the ground and all bets are off. And this is where injuries come from. So by taking the shoes off and doing these drills, you start to reinforce this signal, and you actually will train, and you can actually pre-activate. And one of my dear friends, Dr. Emily Spiegel, talks about this, and it's really fascinating if you get into it and really pay attention to what she's talking about. But this pre-activation is really key to the success of running with shoes. Where I'm going with this, Ben, is that when you train barefoot on that treadmill, you are really doing a great job in delivering solid information to your system. You're laying down these motor patterns 
that will parlay into better running mechanics when you're wearing shoes. When we got together this last time, I videoed you with shoes on, with shoes off. We slowed it down. We looked at it from different angles. And what I found was the way you ran with shoes was not much different than you were when you were running barefoot. And so the way you were running with the shoes is testament to the pre-activation that you created while you were barefoot. Does that make any sense to you? Yeah, I think actually when, when you had her on your podcast, I think what y'all equated it to was like, you know what it's like to step off of a curb. And whenever that curb is like two inches bigger than normal, it, it, it's off. So that, that neuro pattern, is, is you have formed ready and to go to step off of that curb. Right. And, uh, you know, you form, you form those patterns. Another way to look at it is like doing a box jump. When you stare at a box, let's just say the first time you attempt it, you look at the box, and let's just say that the box is 24 inches tall. So it's a little out of scope from where you're comfortable jumping. And you're looking at the edge of that box, and you're concerned about scraping your shin and whether you're going to trip on it or whether you're going to fall, and you're just not 100% comfortable with it. What I do with people when we do box jumps initially is I have them get on top of the box and jump down. And they start to reference the space that's going to be traveled. And then I might get on top of the box and hold their hands and have them jump up to me. And then after they've made that, that move, they've pre-activated their central nervous system to find that space, and then they're more capable of making the jump. It's kind of in the same keeping when you're running is that when you start to find the ground, when you teach your body what it's going to be like when your foot makes contact with the ground, where is the best place for your foot to make contact with the ground, and what sequence of events your foot should make contact with the ground, then you put your shoes on, you're more likely to make the right decisions. And you need that protection when you go outside. And those of you that are listening that are racing you know that you're not going to go out and try to do any of these OCR events barefoot. I mean, I hope you don't because, I mean, it's it's all bets are off. Luckily, you, if you're lucky, you won't hurt yourself. But at the end of the day, here's what we learned is that I think the takeaway here is this. If you were to spend two days a week, 20 minutes a day, start out walking on the treadmill barefoot, Get your feet accustomed to the surface that you're traveling on. Then progressively start to jog. And you, I won't even need to tell you how to run. You're going to start naturally moving appropriately. And then take it nice and easy. Now, stride frequency is key, and this is a whole other topic, but if you were to set a metronome at 180 strides per minute, get on the treadmill and move for minutes at a time, recover, minutes at a time, recover, Take it on for 10 minutes if, if your feet are too tender. Get off when you need to get off. And then progressively increase the amount of time that you get uh, exposed to this environment. And then eventually you'll start toughening up. Your connective tissue, your myofascia, all of the, uh, the contact material with the ground is going to get stronger. And it's going to get smart, smarter and more intuitive. And essentially that's what you did, Ben. And at the end of the day... When I videoed you, your ground contact was near perfection, and your testament to me is you've been more stable, stronger, more capable than you'd have ever been. And yeah. Um, you know, uh, back to something you just said. You said eventually you'll build up the strength, and I, I don't know if you were going to get to this, but 
I mean, uh, just so everyone knows, this is me running on the treadmill at your secret lab was after a year of me doing this. So it's not like overnight, and I'm sure people are going to want to know, oh, how long do I need to continue this? So, you know, so I think it's, I don't know what, very much uh, individual to individual people. Well, sure it is. Sure it is. I mean, I, it probably depends on what your history is being barefoot. You know, yeah. I, might, I might have mentioned to you, one of my clients, the only time he takes his shoes off is when he gets in the shower and goes in the bed. But aside from that, his his feet have never seen the light of day. I mean, yeah. you know, and those feet are pink and they're weak and he's got <laughs> back trouble. I mean, and it's been terrible. And the first thing I did with him was take his shoes off, put him on a treadmill. And sure enough, with time, his he had no back trouble and everything in between started getting better. And so at the end of the day, what happens is this information um, starts to cause you to be more capable of efficiently transferring these impact forces. And the faster your feet and core can talk, the more likely you are to decrease the risk of injury. And ultimately, you're, you're going to find that things start getting better for you. Um, so I, I'm trying to give a, a takeaway for folks and they're trying to figure out what they should or should not do with this. And I, I just want to be pointedly clear. I do not recommend trying to run outdoors barefoot unless you're in an environment that you're comfortable with. And AstroTurf is amazing. You could take your shoes off today, get on an AstroTurf field, run all day, and you're probably going to be fine. Um, you get on the track and try to run, you're probably going to jack your feet up. You try to run on concrete, I guarantee you're going to jack your feet up. And so the the level of exposure to the environment needs to be graded. And whether it be the function of time, how much time you spend doing it, or the depth of the, uh, the, the, the stiffness of the surface or ruggedness of the surface that you're going to be traveling over, you need to be progressive with it. And I'm not talking about, like Ben was suggesting, it took him a year. I don't think it took you a year. It probably took you less than that. But uh, at the end of the day, I think that probably what would be reasonable inside of a few weeks, I'll share with you, Ben, and you know, yeah. people that don't know, um, you know, I'm overweight and 64 years old. I got on the treadmill <laughs> yesterday morning barefoot and was running on it. And it went well. I didn't have any problem with it. I didn't feel sore. My feet weren't taken out from it. It, it was not even a thought to me afterwards. Now, I didn't run 10 miles an hour like you were, but I was surprised at how well my body took to the surface. And well, and I guess also maybe what I was maybe what I was thinking in my head was that long to not only begin running barefoot, but also getting over those injuries maybe, you know? Yeah, yeah. Well, that's certainly got to do with a lot of healing time. Right. But, but again, the takeaway here is a couple things. Uh, and I want to draw attention to being tethered because, you know, since, uh, well, you, that video is probably not posted yet, but they're going to see it soon. Incidentally, people that are curious about the videos, you will see the video clips because I will post them. Being tethered on the treadmill is a good trick. And as it turns out, that's getting to be more popular than you know. I started looking around, and sure enough, uh, there's tread treadmill manufacturers that are hooking up these kits to allow you to be tethered. And when I'm talking about being tethered, I'm essentially talking about having a waistband and potentially being bungeed and connected to a wall or having somebody hold you so that you're able to run it against a little bit of resistance. 
And what this tends to do is it helps you to find ground contact closer to your center of mass. It helps to inhibit your overstriding. And that combined with being barefoot is a really, really good solution to finding good ground contact and laying down some very, very serious motor skill. Yeah, I was really surprised when you when you had me in that harness. And uh, what's that angle called from the hip to the knee, you know? Oh, the and hip angle. Ba- the hip angle. Basically, all we changed was me being harnessed. And the hip angle, what did it, what did it go from 70-something to 100, right? Yeah, it opened up quite a it, lot. And yeah. the, the idea being is that your stride frequency relative to your stride length, the magic is to open up your stride angle. And, and for, for those of you who are trying to figure out that, what that means, from your hip to your forward knee, to your trailing knee, you create an apex. And the broader that that hip angle is, especially if your ground contact is near your center of mass, is testament that you're creating more force on the ground and you're pushing yourself through space more efficiently, which is huge. And this is really the hallmark of where great running comes from. Do you think people understood what I just said? Yeah, yeah, that that makes sense. I was tracking Okay. If I if I can get it, I think others will. <laughs> yeah. All right. So the, at the end of the day, we're going to find a bunch of people putting rubber bands on, trying to run on a treadmill <laughs> barefoot, which is cool. Which is cool. Um, but I guess the important thing to to deliver here, message wise, is you got to take it slow. You got to get off your heels. I would highly recommend that you ditch the heavy soled shoes. Let's get the information back into your system. Take it slow. If you've been in a shoe that has a, a, a big differential between your fore and aft, you know, upwards of 11 millimeters of, of stack height, and you try to go to a zero-drop shoe, you're asking for trouble, especially if you put on the same volume or intensity you've been carrying. You're going to hurt yourself. Take it slow. Maybe you need to grade it down. Take it down to like a 4-mil, 5-mil drop shoe first when you're outside. Cut the volume down until you're really, really comfortable with what you're doing. And you're going to start noticing big, big changes. And I think, again, what I really got excited about, and the reason I wanted to talk about this in this podcast, is that it's not always convenient to get into a infield. We were in a field just the other day. It was raining. It was muddy. And trying to put your shoes back on to get back in the car and go home is not always as, uh, as pleasant And getting on the treadmill is just way convenient. Odds are, if you're depending on your gym to allow you to go barefoot on the treadmill, there's a pretty good chance they're not going to let you do it because of litigious reasons. They're afraid that you're going to sue them if you hurt yourself. And their insurance may not even let you do it. So it's probably going to be reserved for those that have home treadmills. But I would highly recommend that the folks that are listening If they've been having some issues with their feet, shin splints, things like that, start spending a little bit of time barefoot on your treadmill. Develop the ability to take it without overdoing it. Yeah. And it worked for Ben, and I I think it will work for you too. Is that called the study of one? The study of one, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I I freaking hate (laughs) that. I freaking hate the study of one. But I I tell you that I, I feel confident that the concept is a good one. Getting on a treadmill barefoot is a really good idea, assuming that you take the precautions necessary to ensure that you have a chance to adapt readily. 
What do you yeah, think? Yeah, and at- well, I was just gonna say, adding to hopping on a treadmill, um, one of the thing, one of the things that helped me, the treadmill actually has a lot of give compared to a, you know, obviously a hard, hard ground. If you watch some of the, I don't know about your treadmill, but I know my Nordic. <clears throat> if you watch the video of it, of me, some video of me on my treadmill, um, the treadmill gives quite a bit, so it's actually uh, kind of forgiving when you're when you're getting through some injuries. Does that make sense? No. No. <laughs> yeah. So, so I'll tell you why I said that. Because what ends up happening is the ground contact. Your body will will dissipate that impact. You don't need to depend on the deck to give way to you. Okay. Your body will do what it needs to do to absorb that energy from impact. As a matter of fact, it'll take that impact and it'll turn it into energy. They'd like to believe that that turns out to be a softer, more pliable, more comfortable surface. But mm-hmm. it, it's really not as beneficial to you as you might think. Okay. Um, it may be that it will cause your treadmill deck to last longer because it gives a little bit. Um, right. But I don't know that it's really something that you really need to aspire towards. And, and I'll tell you yeah, what the, 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 the next move is, Ben. This is the next move, and we haven't talked about this, you and I, but I'm going to okay. share this with you. When you get tethered, when you get on that treadmill and you put that harness on your back, I want you to slow the treadmill down, and then as you're running, I want you to close your eyes. All right. Yeah, I want you to Stevie Wonder that puppy. And, and what is this accomplishing? <laughs> well, because what you're doing is you're you're starting to shut down some more sensory information. And then when you start to shut down the sensory information, aside from the information that's being gathered from the ground, your feet get even that much more intuitive. They're going to start taking the responsibility from your eyes, and they're going to cause you to be more capable of doing the right thing with your feet. All right. I can see that. Is that wild? No, well, you can't see that. <laughs> <laughs> well, that'll be uh, something to work on. You know what else you could do is you could put earplugs in. So you can't hear the ground, you can't see the ground, and you're just totally dependent on the ground force to give information to your central nervous system to tell you what to do. And so what you could do is, you know, because you're in a guarded condition, what you can do is just close your eyes for a bit, open them up, close them, open them up, till eventually you could find yourself running with your eyes closed and watch how much more uh, intuitive you become with the way you run. Okay. Is that crazy? It is crazy, but I'm, I'm, I'm okay with it. <laughs> I think you should try it. I'm I not going to do it, but I'll you try, I want I'll you try. to do it. <laughs> <laughs> I'll probably try it tonight, honestly. All right, I think you should. I want to hear I want to hear from you. All right, well, look, I'll guys. Um, first of all, Ben, thanks for coming on and doing this with me. I, I really did. You lit me up, and you don't even know the depth of my excitement behind this. I've got some things <laughs> in the works right now. I've made some calls. Uh, I'm already thinking about some appliances that we could create to to uh, to build on this. And... You know, at the end of the day, what we're going to do is cause more and more people to be able to enjoy what it is they're doing without injuring themselves. Well, hey, that's encouraging because anybody that knows you knows uh, knows you say what you mean. So, so, yeah. so that's encouraging. And I probably say some things I shouldn't too, right? <laughs> but uh, I'm, I'm all right with that. I'm going to see you in May in Austin, Texas. We're coming back. We're coming back to Austin. Those that are listening, I said it earlier, we're going to be visiting a bunch of cities this year, and uh, I'd love to meet you. And I'll be there. All right, brother. Well, friends, it's time to bring another show to a close. 
Be sure and tune in to us next week. We've got a lot of great content in store for you. I want you to tell your friends to check us out. You can always find us on Facebook. Simply go search the Natural Running Network. Drop us a message. I'd love to learn more about you and the things you do. And until then, you have an amazing day.